episode 320 of Global From Asia. Finally got a microphone. <laughs> and we're talking about people management. A little bit of spice with some Asia culture and some storytelling. So let's tune in today. Welcome to the Global From Asia podcast, where the daunting process of running an international business is broken down into straight up actionable advice. And now, your host, Michael Michelini. Okay, everybody, thank you so much for choosing to download and listen to Global From Asia or stream or whatever. I mean, this does go into audio only format. But uh, this week's show is audio only. Um, we do try to get this on YouTube and other channels as well. And it's in WeChat. It's all over the place. At least we try to get it everywhere. Sometimes it gets banned or deleted or violations for whatever reason. But we get it as many places as we can. And you might notice maybe my sound is a little bit different. I'm uh, back on this mi- microphone. I finally sucked it up or my wife finally let me uh, buy a new microphone. I got a couple sitting in Manila still. I got the air's apartment. Still recovering from this COVID uh, nightmare that we're all, I guess it's not over for uh, anyways, but uh, getting a microphone, a new microphone costs more in China. Can you believe that? Things cost more here than in the U.S. uh, and they're made here, at least for now. All right. This week's show, we got Thomas Pun. You know, he's he's a really good guy. He's I've met him in a community startup community in Hong Kong for like eight years now. And he's been on my list for a while to get on. And we finally make it happen. And it's been really cool to hear about people management. So it's globalfromasia.com slash people dash management. And he actually kind of almost coaches me a little bit. I mean, it's kind of one of the benefits of doing these shows. I get to pick topics and talk to really smart people and I um I read I started reading a book. I can't say I finished it, but he recommended a book and I've been starting to read it. And you know, if you guys like the blah 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 session after the interview, I don't want to take up too much of this intro. I want to get right to Thomas. But uh, I will share some of my own reflections of you know what I've learned with management of teams. I'll be honest, I've never managed a team in the US in the West. I've only managed teams in, in China, Philippines, and Asia. Um so maybe that's also a difference. So we, we kind of talk about an interview and I'll talk about that after if you're interested. And Thomas is a really smart guy and he's been in the Valley. He's been in Hong Kong. He's got really good insights and recommendations. So get your notebooks ready. Let's dive into interview Thomas Punt. Thank you, GFA VIP members. I know you're listening because you give me feedback and it's really cool. And we just had an amazing Lazada workshop last week and we're doing these live workshops actually some of the members don't want to come on the podcast to share about their business because maybe they don't feel like they're ready or they don't want to be so public about it but they they don't mind to share to the members and that's what it's really about that's the big difference of if being a you know paid gfa vip versus an awesome listener or supporter of the show you know you are paying which is very much appreciated and you're also engaging with me and others in the community. We have private calls, forums, and we keep giving more and more benefits to those people in that in that circle. GFAVIP.com. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in to our Global From Asia podcast. We're in for a treat. We have with us Thomas Pun. He's a serial entrepreneur, I would say. You know, I, I met him. We met at the startup community many, many years ago in Hong Kong. And, uh, you know, we've, uh, we've, we've both been through a lot and uh, of different you know uh, experiences and uh thank you so much for coming on the show thomas really appreciate it well thank you for having me mike 
Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, I remember, I think I had met you when you had come back from uh, San Francisco to Hong Kong. I, I don't know when that was, maybe eight years ago or so, I think. Uh, but uh, it's been quite a long time since uh, we've you know, been chatting in the community. Um, do you want to give us a brief introduction of, uh, of yourself for the listeners? Uh, sure. Um, so I, I'm trained as an engineer. Um, I, I served my time in the Valley and I moved <laughs> back around, I moved back around the Pacific. So I've been in the Valley a couple of times. I've come back to Hong Kong, kind of back and forth. And every time I kind of feel like it, it's done, like I'm not going to move, but never say never. But, uh, it seems like now I'm like settled here. I've been in Hong Kong for last, um, actually, wow, eight years now, uh, almost. Yeah. Um, and uh, I've been I've been working with startups. Uh, I love I love working with passionate founders. I love uh, pay for it. Um, I also kind of you know starting try to start something myself right now. So I'm exploring different ideas. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, I know. So so I'm really happy to have you on the show. And there's so much you have so much experience, so much we could talk about. But I thought a good topic would be finding the right people for your team is I think what the title of the show will be. Sometimes I don't see until after the interview is finished. But it's about people, right? It was whether it's a business partner, co-founder, or whether it's especially early employees, but even no matter what, the people, you know, I think the team is the most important thing, right? That is what of course everybody talks about technology or they talk about customers, but I for me, I, I've been really focusing on team. I don't, I mean, I don't know what you would say about that. Uh, that I really think team is basic, is the fundamental of how you're going to build your business. Cause a lot of things you can't really do it yourself, right? So you're definitely going to need help and you're going to need to work with people. Um, you know, there's a saying about, you know, product market fit, if you find something that the market really wants, I always think that without a team, you cannot even get a product out. So you really need to have that team, right? Um, and team building and so-called, you know, hiring and working with people, it's not natural. And usually you don't, it, it was never really formally taught. A lot of people kind of learn it by, you know, making mistakes. And some of these mistakes would be pretty costly. So I definitely think team building is a good skill to have. Agreed, agreed. Uh, and I think it really is at the top. I mean, I've listened to a lot of these, you know, uh, I don't want, I don't, you know, some YouTube videos and some other, you know, speeches I've seen in sessions. I think no matter what you're, you're always going to be fine. I think as a, as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, your job, I think is always about people. And, uh, you know, one of the acronyms I like to use for CEO is, of course, it means chief executive officer, but I call it, I learned it somewhere, a customer, employee, and owner or shareholder. <laughs> you know, I think, you know, the executives, the partners, they're, they represent the people and they, they build a culture and they attract the people, whether it's a customer or an employee or a, a investor. So, you know, um, it's definitely the skill. I guess it's also, I think a lot of times it relies a lot on the CEO role rather than maybe the, the tech partner or the, uh, you know, the, uh, the more, uh, engineer type person you know i think the people the skill is usually reliant on the the main president ceo is that something you would say or uh yeah i think everyone everyone on the team uh they probably serve a good purpose right and 
you know, how to get all this presumably good, smart, talented people to do things that at the time could look illogical, right? And that really takes a lot of leadership. Um, and leadership is also a very important factor on how you build team, right? How you lead yeah. the team, how you set the culture. Um, so I think that's all related. Um, the, the, the leader doesn't always have to be CEO, I think. I think CEO may, you know, pick up certain very important aspects of running a business. Um, and there are other people that you may want to hire that have, say, stronger leadership, right? They help the CEO to kind of push it forward as well. Okay, awesome. And I think the other dynamic with, uh, you know, with our audience and uh, our, our community and is the whole cross-culture, cross-border. You know, I think, I don't know, I mean, you, I, I, you've spent time in, in the Valley. I, I bear, I've just visited briefly there, but I think one of the challenges I would say in Asia is all these, I mean, maybe it's a strength, but I think it's also a challenge is so many cultures, you know, and so it makes it a much more, I don't know, I would say delicate. Like I've definitely adapted over the years by being in Asia. Like I have to be more, sen I guess that should be in the U.S. too, but I feel like in the U.S. you don't have to be as sensitive about like <laughs> culture or even maybe I hope I'm not offended. I'm an American, so I think it's okay to say, but you know, that's where Americans are these aggressive, direct people. And we, we, when I'm in the U S and I do it in the U S I don't have to like be sensitive or, or, but you know, when, when I'm mainland China, when I'm in Asia, I have to feel like I have to be more re cautious. I feel at least personally, but you know, I, I don't know how you feel about that, but I feel like, you know, cross culture, especially in Asia, is just more, of an art, I feel, you know, that's, I don't know, <laughs> feedback there. Uh, hiring in general, they're hiring great talent specifically is always hard, uh, no matter where you are. Um, I do think each region, you know, Asia, North America, Europe, they all have different challenges. Um, you know, culture being one, like you said, you know, how you actually uh, uh, you know, PC as normal or, you know, professional be different in different, um, different regions. But I think in general, it also depends on the vertical. You know, is this a tag? Is this business driven, sales driven? Really depends on the talents that you're looking for. But I think fundamentals are the same. You know, the, if you want to hire well, you really need to be systematic. You really need to be thoughtful about your process. Mm -hmm. um, and I think different regions, they will have different talents that are more abundant. Um, there is different, for example, you know, I, I think Valley, of course, you know, Silicon Valley could say, you know, there are a lot of tech talent, there are product talent, design talent. Um, but at the same time, if you think, you think that it's easier to hire because these people are better, right? They have done things more, like more significant things, right? They, they shift things that you may have heard of. But at the same time, there are also more competition, right? They're all, you know, big company there. So, you know, it, it's, it's all, always a balance, right? You have really strong good talent or company that hire this talent, that attractive talent. But at the same time, you also have more competition, right? Um, yeah. And in Hong Kong, for example, I think tech is definitely not as great. I think tech, you know, the, the junior and the mid-level, they're abandoned. Uh, not abandoned, but there are a lot of great 
you know, people there at that level. But for really senior people, um, you don't necessarily get those. Uh, but for yeah. Hong Kong, for example, they probably have very strong, uh, a lot of strong profiles of sales, of, you know, BD type of work, um, you know, getting things off the ground, um, you know, hustler type of thing. So I think different regions, they have strengths and weaknesses for yeah. sure. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, I, I liked it. I took a note vertical. I didn't really ever take that note count. And for me, I, I don't know, even know if you knew, but I spent almost five years on Wall Street. Uh, I, I worked on trade, internal desk trading floor at Deutsche, Deutsche Bank um, on Wall Street. Uh, it wasn't on the actual New York Stock Exchange, but I was on a, a couple buildings over in, a, in the bank's own internal floor. And I was the, I was like the least aggressive person you know what I mean and I was getting like you know it was a rough it was rough you know it was I, I they told me it's changed now with the whole financial that was before the financial crisis and everything but you know it was rough you know so they I guess that's true because when I came out to Asia it was almost like there was a little bit of buffer between that but I was shocked because I had to be so sensitive if I say something to somebody I hired or I work with or a partner or a factory, like they would be very offended and they were very sensitive, I feel, you know, and I guess even, and I was like, man, I'm, I am like the least like aggressive person in my environment. <laughs> now I'm like the most aggressive person in my environment. And I don't even think I had to keep toning down and I'm still working. Even now I still, I still work on that. Cause in, I feel like in Asia, like if I say, you know, a lot of our team in, now is in the Philippines or I've had people in, in mainland China and, and uh, you know, in Hong Kong and other places. But you, my style is, I think the American style is like direct, like this is a mistake, fix it. You know, like mm. I don't really say it's, I don't want to say it's your fault. I'm not trying to say it's your fault, but this is a mistake. And most likely it was you. I don't really care, but can you fix it? But I remember in China, I would go to somebody's desk and I said, this is not working. Like this website, you know, we did a lot of, website stuff so they're somewhat technical fresh grads you know technical people so i guess that's another point like you said they were mostly technical but they would at first deny deny everything mm. no it's not my fault i didn't do that i'm like i mean that's not really the primary purpose of me saying that this is broken i just want it fixed but i'm not gonna you know but then you also can't say it in front of their other staff you can't lose face in China, mm -hmm. right? Like you can't right. go to somebody's desk and say this is a mistake because they're going to deny it because it's in the culture of the culture is like deny. I don't know. I just I don't want to offend anybody. I feel like that's like the that's like what I've learned is deny. Yeah. So you got to call them into a room and you got to like kind of indirectly say this is not working. What can we do? And then don't even. I feel like I've been gotten so indirect in my work in China. <laughs> can't be direct because if I'm direct it's like offensive or you know uh, or they're gonna close up or, or defensive or deny so I've gotten really kind of grown the skill to be indirect indirectly uh -huh. like it's like around the object not directly at the issue it's like I'm going or I think that's that's the way it is too you're like going around an issue like you're mm. circling it rather than directly going at the issue which is an art I'm still learning but uh uh, I just wow. wanted to clarify that. But it's true wow. about the vertical. I never thought of that because I kind of did go from 
Wall Street to tech in a way, or a little bit sourcing and tech and e-commerce. So that is, that's an interesting point. Yeah, I can, I can definitely feel your pain. Um, and I think what you brought up a really good point about, you know, the working environment and so-called culture of either certain industry or certain company. And they attract different people, right? And, and certain people will do better, like they'll stick around more because they kind of fit what is needed in that environment. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, you know, your experience about if you're like, there's a lot of friction, giving feedback, if people are not very receptive. And I think it doesn't always just happen in like China or Philippines. I think it really, a lot of times it kind of comes down to how that person was brought up. You know, how mm-hmm. were they were they open minded, were they in an environment where they can take mistakes, right? Maybe their whole life they they can't make mistakes. It's almost like if I make mistakes yeah. I'm gonna fail my parents, right? Exactly, um, exactly. It's just... So so these people become very defensive. Right. And Absolutely. I think you know, having the open mind, which is I think it's very hard to to actually strike a balance. Right? I think this is something that you know, if you're lucky, you're able to work with someone, especially, like, say, you were able to see this in action from the superior or from the peer, right? How they, you know, look at this in a more objective way, you know, think about, oh, you know, yeah, maybe maybe there's something in there. How about we, we work together and, you know, we solve it, right? Rather than just denial in the first, yeah, um, you know, first shot. It's, it's tough. I have, a, I have a book that I will recommend to you. Uh, about about managing, um, it's called Radical Candor. Um, I'll I'll send the link to you later. Okay, yeah, we're gonna add it to the show notes. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I mean, it was really I don't know, it was really rough for me when I, it's still rough, honestly. But uh, I mean, uh, when I first came into to you know Asia market, China market, you know Philippines, and I just really learned to not be too aggressive like not to be too direct and I still do it to this day I like I have to hold back I have to hold back I'm, I'm upset or a mistake was made you know in the US you just you're just very open about your emotion you're just very open you're just direct and open right. and uh, I feel like here you that's what I think I really would say that's one of the main reasons in my opinion why Westerners fail in China or Asia is because they come in and they're very aggressive. Uh, they're direct. Okay. I don't know. I maybe think. maybe I'm wrong, but I I don't know. We're, I'm kind of on a tangent here, but I do think I do think I've really adapted to that. Because and my last point to this 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 top this point is, even my like assistant like Jojo, she told me. So what I started to do was just I took the blame. I would just say, okay, maybe it was my fault. You know, I would just keep saying, like, I'm not going to go in this blame game. Like, I made a mistake or maybe it's something I wasn't clear about. I didn't say it. I didn't instruct you clearly enough. So I was just taking the blame. But then she told me that's bad because that makes you look weak and you look like you're not, <laughs> you're, right, not right, cap- right. you're not capable as a leader or you're not capable as a, or as a business person. You're always making these mistakes. So she says that that was bad. Cause that's what that's how I adapted. I'm like, you know what? They're all being defensive, so I'll just be the guy that's like, only you know, saying is some maybe it was my, maybe I, 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 it was my mistake that you made this mist that this happens because, but then she says that you're looking weak. So by you uh-huh. own, taking 
So it's like you can't win like one way or the other. Like, yeah, right. I, I just remember that. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. I do. I do think that you know the culture how how these people brought up has a lot to do with it. Um, and second, I feel like you know let, let's just try to be more open minded on this, right? And maybe maybe these people don't fit your working style. Uh, and maybe maybe you need to find people that have the same shared values with you. Uh, yeah. and like, you know, part of the, you know, on the topic of hiring on, on identifying what's important to you, you know, the people, what kind of attributes that they should have yeah. um, to be on your team, right? True, um, true, true. So. That's a good point. So uh, usually before you start to hire people, a lot of times you find like a, you know, we call it co-founder in the tech world and startup world, but I guess for today's audience, it's a little bit less tech, but maybe we call it business partners or the core team, which is even more critical than hiring. Um, and I have in my show notes, you know, I think we've, you know, gone to a lot of, obviously so many startup events, you know, there's a, even I've heard, I, I was even helping facilitate some startup weekends in China for some years. And there was even some negative feedback because they say, you know, other people would say, oh, these startup events, these hackathons, oh yeah, let me just start a week, start up in a weekend. Let me just find a co-founder on a Friday night, you know, raising my hand and picking the right person. And I'm going to, you know, obviously the team is like we had kind of agreed on is one of the most important things and finding the right people is something that takes a long time, right? Like uh, any, any, any insights or tips, like how do, how does someone find like, you know, of course there's your hometown friend or your college friend. There's, you know, people you meet in the community I don't know. I mean, it's it's so so challenging. Like, do you have any insights or or shortcuts or tips for for this? <laughs> I don't think there's really a silver bullet, um, and it kind of works. Uh, everyone everyone has his own way, um, given the context and given the network. But I agree that you probably don't want to so-called marry someone they got on first date with, right? With, with all this startup weekend and hackathon. I think those are, they, they, they serve their purpose, which is, I think, you know, getting people together and think about actually building something. Maybe, you know, to a lot of these people, they actually never build something that initiated by themselves instead of getting told by the boss, for example, right? So I think they have their purpose. I think it's also fun activity to do something. But if you're really talking about seriously, you know, building a business, um, and it's something that you... I always say, you know, you want to do this with people that you would go to the war with, right? You would trust that person that, you know, you would leave the baby with them. Right? Yeah. So, and, and trust and respect takes time, right? It's, it's not even just, oh, I look at your profile, you look great. Oh, you have done this, this and that, let's get together. Um, even though that person could be technically strong, you know, in whatever aspect that is, you're still people, right? You still, it's just a relationship that you have to build and nurture. Um, you have to build that respect. You have to build that trust. Um, and those six times. And how can you kind of do that? Um, a lot of time, it's like you said, childhood friends or people that you met for a while, um, even though we may not be able working with them, but at least you hang out with them. You get to see them a different side, right? You get to see them a, a side that was not, I wouldn't say pretentious, but, you know, like a work environment where they put on a different face, right? Um, you get to see more overall. But, of course, you know, the best, I think the best people um, that you can start something with 
someone that you have worked with, right? Or you have, you know, someone that you work with them very closely. So personal referral, you know, it's just, it matters a lot. Right? At least you have another data point. You can kind of gauge that, oh, okay, well, hey, I, I like how Mike works. I know how Mike think about things, right? I know kind of what Mike values. And if Mike thinks that this person A is great, you know, there's definitely some merits to it, right? Um, yeah. Instead of just kind of random. Because if you think about it, if you are really interviewing people, right? Of course they are at the best self, right? They're gonna try to tell you things. Again, this is interview skills, right? They try to tell you things that they think that you would want to hear, right? And it's yeah. your job as an interviewer, to really get down to the why, really get down to, you know, why certain things happened and what they did and all that. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's like finding, finding the real team, especially if you, like finding team if you haven't really done a lot or uh, what's worse and what's more challenging is that you need to find someone that you never, uh, type of person that you never work with, right? Yeah. You're, not, you're not a tech person and now you need a tech person, right? Yeah. Um, a tech person needs a salesperson, right? Um, then, then a lot of times, you know, if you don't talk to enough of people, if you don't do enough research, um, you always, because you don't know, right? Like the gap of your knowledge or what's best compared to what's perceived by the person, um, it's, you know, they're not aligned, right? And, and that is where some of the kind of that higher so far, right? Sometimes it's very capable. It's just like, it doesn't work out, it doesn't fit in this environment. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, yeah. tip-wise, I think the most important thing is really about doing your research. Yeah. You know, um, talking to people. I ask people, this is one thing that I always do when I need to hire a role that I never hired before. I, I go look at my network, find out all the people that have done the job, or have hired those people and just talk to them, you know, ask them what's, what do you think, what, what should I look for? Uh, what you, what is the view on, you know, a gray X over just a good X, right? What's that view? And I think if you talk to enough people, then you start to see patterns, right? Got it. Yeah, that's interesting because that's been on my list is like, how do you hire for a position you don't either know or you haven't hired for before. Uh, it is, that's good talk to people that have done it in your network. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, you know, I I don't know if you know my style or not, but I, I kind of like sometimes just share my mistakes here. So like, but the other issue is sometimes with co-founders is you want to work with sometimes your friends. Um, but there's some issues with, you know, uh, there's positives, of course, there's really good trust sometimes the negative is they might be too similar to you. They might have the same skill set as you. Um, mm. And the worst is, you know, there's obviously some friendships lost because of uh, business, business, you know, so there's some right. risks. There is some risks, right. you know. That. Yeah, that's a saying that don't, don't, don't start this with your best friend. <laughs> yeah. Or, or your partner, right? Your spouse kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and another idea I like, I can't say I've really done it. I can't think I've done it in a venture, but seeing somebody is doing something already that you want to do or you're doing and almost like a merger of your two businesses becomes one. You know, I think it might not be really a tech co-founder, but a lot of times, sometimes I've seen this where two different people doing, actually I've seen, I don't want to name names because, you know, but uh, even in the startup community in Hong Kong, I've seen they, they've had their own startups 
and then they realize another friend or somebody in the community is doing a similar startup. And I've seen, a, I think two or three times it's happening. They merge and they become one startup. I've seen mm. that. Um, and it seems to have worked because uh, then that's the best because they're executing already, right? They're, they're, they're doing, mm. so they're doing it already in that, you know, that's, that, that's, a, that's an ideal yeah. one. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, merger, well, M&A, merger acquisition are very tricky. Um, and, and even though like two things are running, um, if, if two things are very kind of equal, right, um, then, then it's actually worse, I think. I think if one side is doing a lot better and kind of absorb the other team, you know, I think, I think there's, there's a bigger direction, right? There's a bigger momentum mm-hmm. to go a certain way. But if it's like both are similar, what happened is I think there's probably probably going to be a lot more so-called conflicts, right? Yeah. In terms of value and in terms of how they do things. And, yeah, I kind of wish um, I could. I wish I could. I'm just, I don't want to, uh, maybe after recording, I can tell you this example one, but <laughs> right. it was very early stage. They were very early stage and they were both talking to me because it was in, uh, it was in, this, in this space. So oh, I see, I see. they were both talking mm-hmm. to me and I don't want to take too much credit, but they do credit me a lot for, um, some insights I gave them. Okay. I don't think I really, I don't think they, I, I met them both separately before they uh, joined forces and then they joined forces. I'm not going to take the credit, but I, they do credit me for some of the amazing early stage feedback. Uh, and I, I don't know, I should be coming. I don't have any uh, in, interest in their company, but uh, I just remember they joined forces, but they were both pretty early stage. It was very early yeah. stage. So I guess it was so early that uh, I don't know if there was too much. Okay. And one was technical and one was business. So okay. it got okay. really lucky. And it's still working. Uh, I just, I'm just shy to say the name. I don't know if I should do that. But um, well, let's let's move forward. Um, so that was some interest on founders and partners, which is so tricky. You know, they say it's even more, uh, they say it's even more intimate than a marriage. I don't know. I think marriage is still more intimate, but you know, it is. <laughs> It is at that level, right? You know, you're, you're, um, very, you know, very, you know, closely working and sharing your, your um, ups and your downs in your business. Um, but hires is also very important, especially the first hires. Um, what would you say? You know, you know, there's so many questions about the first hires. You know, there's questions I can think of like who. Should, I guess it depends on the company and what they need. But you know, the first kind of hires, like maybe just I'll leave it open ended what you mm. say or think about this right right uh, first two fires i think i would say probably 10 some people would say up to 20. um these people really help define your culture um and you know company culture you know culture seems very abstract but i i find a really good way to kind of uh, uh kind of crystallize it and i heard this um somewhere from from my mentor is company culture is really about who you hire, who you promote, and who you fire. So mm. these people at the beginning, you know, that they kind of set the tone, basically, right? If they do well, and if, if you and your partner or kind of the general consensus promote certain behavior, right? That becomes culture, right? Yeah. That, that's how, you know, the culture get defined. If certain things that they don't do well or don't work with the rest of the team, that become, you know, you may have to let the person go, 
Right. Yeah. By the way, firing is also very important, which I think a lot of people are not doing it right. Um, yeah. Not just hiring, but firing, letting people go. Yeah, hire. Um, yeah, I mean, nobody likes firing. I don't think. Well, maybe there are some, but most don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I think, like, like, like I said, right? The culture is, is defined by these first ten and twenty people that you bring on board. And the hiring process in general, I think, is also the first step that someone interact with your culture, right? So your process also optimize or kind of bias towards people that you like, right? And you kind of attract those people. Um, yeah. So it's kind of like a loop, right? So like the more you do, you're kind of getting more and more. So, um, you know, having diversity is important. I think for the first few hires, you get a different perspective of things, um, not when I say diversity, it doesn't necessarily mean just like gender, races and that, but also like experience, right? Um, how, you know, this like, if, if every one of your team went to the same school, go to the same thing, work in the same company, <laughs> and, you know, that mm. very similar thing, um, yeah. that may not be very helpful, for example. Yeah. Um, another thing that I find first hires um, that, that you really want to look for, uh, one of the important attributes is that they're really willing to learn and they treat themselves, they think of themselves, consider themselves as a generous, right? They, 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 they don't mind getting their hands dirty. They don't mind learning, picking up new skills to get certain things done. They don't like, okay, well, I'm not going to touch that, right? This is what I do and this is all I want to do. Um, I only want to get better at this and I don't care about the other part. Mm. of the system or the, the the business, right? And those don't usually work well, especially in the early stage of business that so much changes are happening. Um, yeah. You know, you're going to have to iterate and all that, and a lot of this up and down. So I think those uh, attributes are really important for the first few okay. hires. Yeah, this is great, man. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, yeah, that, that that's really good. I mean, I, I like all of that. Um, I I wonder, I guess, you know, there's so many ways because this, you know, Global Maze is more on the, less on the tech startup, more on the general, uh, you know, trading, e-commerce kind of uh, industries. So I don't, I guess in those, there's not much equity pool, but ESOP, you know, employee stock options. But I guess, you know, they should also want some vested interest. I mean, do you see that? I guess you see that in startups, right? But is that... Mm -hmm. in, you know, you, you they're almost like a partner in your company. I'm reading actually a book right now, Noah Kagan's How I Lost $170 Million. Have you ever heard of that? No. He, he was uh, an early employee at Facebook and uh, he uh, he got laid off. And uh, he so he said, so he lost his options. So he says he lost oh. $170 million. Yeah. Oh, wow. it, I'm still in the middle of the book, but I, I know the guy. He's a, he's a, He's a really uh, amazing guy. So he he started AppSumo. We started a few other ventures after. Um, but uh, yeah, so he's talking about the early stages of Facebook where they have the party house, you know, and they're like, mm. nobody was in before 11 a.m., you know, they were up all night with pizza, beer, and coding, and, you know, like, yeah. Uh, and break move fast break things kind of environment which was cool he says uh, which i would think is cool um but yeah i can imagine the early stages of a company 
are very important. Um, you know, I think you probably get asked this a lot too, and it's always so common, like what kind of contracts, agreements, you know, I guess we got to just say talk, and I know you got to say talk to a lawyer, but is there any kind of hacks or tips, you know, for, you know, an early stage company, you know, e-commerce or, or tech startup, you know, especially in Asia, I feel like it's so complicated, you know, you got Hong Kong companies, you know, people in China, people in Southeast Asia, like, of course, the US, you know, it's just, I don't know if you have any, I can give some tips too, but I don't know if you have, how, you know, how do you, uh, how do you usually advise? I'd to hear your tips um, as well, um, but some of the more general ones, I would think that there are a lot of good templates out there probably, so you could probably find one that fits yeah. you. Um, and I think the important thing about this is you definitely want to get the IP right in order. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, so a lot of this, to be honest, is not very easily enforceable, but at least you kind of bring it up and, you know, make sure that these people are aware of. And if you do take, you know, outside funding, um, that's also something that's very important to the potential investors. Um, yeah. Second part, you mentioned about equity. Um, uh, this is also another cultural thing um, that I noticed is that in, let's say in the Bay Area where this equity thing are pretty common, right? Yeah. People would be willing to take that risk and say, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll be okay getting compensated by the equity without, you know, a lot of pay or way below market pay, right? But in Asia, that may not always be the case. They don't even value your equity. Yes. Like, I don't want your equity. Don't give it to me. Just, you know, yes. give me more cash, right? Yeah. Um, so that's get tricky. But if you do find people that like um, and or value your equity, right, then you definitely want to have the proper equity agreement in place. And one of the biggest terms that you definitely should have on there is called vesting schedule. Yeah. So you basically kind of earn uh, your share, right? So I allocate X amount, but you kind of have to earn it every month, right? And there's always this clipping. Um, there's a one-year clip. Um, it's kind of like a probation type of thing, but it's really, you know, to, to protect the company. If within a year we find out it's not working or any, for whatever reason, you're not taking any part of the equity because you haven't really invested enough in the company. Uh, contribute yeah. enough in the company to make a difference. Agreed. Um, so those two, those two, I think are the biggest thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Totally. My my point, and I think I think these two are things that are a lot harder to fix afterwards. Um, I think there are things like you know your tax, your you know worker, and maybe insurance and all that. You know, worst case, you 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 pay extra for the fine or whatever. Um, but those are things that you can easily fix. But, you know, if you don't have IP rights and someone left and, you know, you, you, you getting talked about, you know, acquisition or whatever or investment, if you don't have those, it gets things a little bit tricky, especially also investing schedule too. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, I, I, I agree. And I, I can link in the show notes. Uh, I have, I hate to say, you know, it's so hard with legal, but uh, I don't know where I even got one, but I, I have a blog post with the MOU. So I call them, uh, mm. I learned about MOU so long ago, man. Like somebody <laughs> said one to me a long time ago. And then I looked it up. And I'm like, what does this mean? And it basically says, it's just basically it's a paper that says two people or two parties or well, those parties listed on the agreement are agreeing to these terms. So it's a very general agreement that's like I've learned and what 
I, I got into one of those first. I mean, I have so many. We all have so many stories, but I I, I went to Europe. I got a, I got a, a for a, we were doing like a SEO tool in China, and they, he flew us out there in 2009 with the MOU. And then he says, well, once we get it serious enough, then we can have the lawyers and make the shareholder agreements and make all these more formal contracts. So. So I've been kind of relying on these MOUs for a lot of my ventures. And uh, mm-hmm. it basically, yeah, it has the IP re- rights in there saying like anything that's contributed during this time while you're a part of this is owned by this company or this entity. Right. And then, yeah, usually if it has any kind of equity in it, it has a cliff and a vest schedule, like with an ex- basically right. just copy and paste of a spreadsheet, you know, from the dates so that, because I think the agreements, you know, just like anything, it makes honestly it's helped me keep my friendships because I have friends that I work with like we all do and then sometimes life changes they either don't like to do it anymore or they found something else that they want to do more you know what I mean and mm-hmm. by having this simple agreement at least there's a rule at least there's something that's signed that has something that's a, a rule book so at least it's clear on both sides that this is what's supposed to happen if this person no longer is able or willing to contribute anymore, you know, and then that, but of course, you know, it's tough to maybe enforce these, but I still think it helps to have these. Um, so I'll link to a simple MOU and then, uh, but yeah, I think there's even more and more of these like internet lawyer companies where you get agreements. But uh, yeah, I think like you said, the most important is IP. Uh, and then the sec- second is definitely don't give away all the equity on day one to, you know, and I, people sometimes contest that with me. And I say, well, if I leave, I don't, I don't get it either. You know what I mean? Like everybody, mm-hmm. if I, so, um, so it's on both sides, you know? So, uh, um, but that really protects because especially a tech company or early stage startup, if one of the founders leaves, it's like really going to hit the company yeah. hard. Usually even with big multinational public companies, when like a high level executive, leaves the stock usually stock on the, even a public stock goes down usually a little bit at least you know so uh yeah i mean um people need to realize that um well this has been really fascinating Thomas, and uh thanks again really for for sharing these uh i think you know i think these are what these are the kind of talks that people you know finding the right team and dealing with it and you know we can go on forever honestly but uh <laughs> But um, is there any last parts you want to kind of like, you know, share or, or tips, uh, I guess, just before we wrap up? Um, we didn't really get to talk about this, but I think we, one thing about, you know, team building, um, the two things I think um, important, actually one, I could make it one, uh, high is low, fire fast. So, you know, take your time to find the right person. Um, you know, don't, don't fall into this, like, oh, I need to get this done. I'm going to just bring this ABC and people on. It's going to take you a lot more effort, a lot more hassle to let someone go. Um, and it's not just about that, you know, action, but it's also it hurts the team morale. You know, it, it's, as you said, right, it kind of, I wouldn't say show your weak side, but it's like it, it doesn't um, instill confidence to the team sometimes. Yeah. You know, if you do that a lot, um, and they will think, that, oh, well, do you value me? Are you going to just let me go like yeah, that? Exactly. And all that. So, 
Um, but if you do see someone um, that is not pulling their weight or just not working out with the team, right? Sometimes, again, they can be great talents. I always think that talent, everyone has their own talent, right? And a lot of times things don't work out. It's not just about the team member, right? It could be the environment, what the culture um, that these people are really perform uh, within. So, so you know, if you do identify someone that doesn't work, um, there's another process. Kind of think about how to, you know, let someone go properly, yeah. professionally. Yeah, um, but yeah. So, but you should do that fast, right? Once you identify that. Agreed. No, that's definitely worth. That's a good one to also, uh, yeah, wrap up with this the main topics today. Um, and um, also having an employee handbook. You know, obviously this discussion. This is like a whole course, a whole, you know, HR <laughs> never ending. But you know, by having policies in place, you know, so that way there's no questions, you know, or at least less questions about about everything um but yeah i made like a checklist for for that too in the team um for onboarding and offboarding um yeah yeah it it does it does it's for sure but honestly the last other point of that is i've had people in the team thank me when i fire somebody they're like finally they're like finally finally you did that you know um, yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of kind of business owner partner they they always worry about letting someone go, but what they didn't realize is that you know a lot of other team may want you to do it, or maybe even that person wants you to stay at first. Right? Yeah, just, yeah, they won't. Right. A lot. Of, you know, I'll stop picking on the Asia introvert, but you know, especially well, especially employee, they don't feel like it's their right to to tell you this person is doing bad or this person should go. I mean, it is a kind of a big bold thing to say anyway but i've had people thank me after <laughs> more than once yeah 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 um, yep and it, I it does you. define the culture for sure because then the others will see oh this person was you know not performing and this is what like you said i, I like i like how yeah i like i learned a lot today so um yeah really thank you thomas uh, is there any any what would you like us to you know link on the show notes or have people find you know blogs or social or anything uh websites for us to uh find more uh, yeah, I said to you, um, I, I, I'm on Twitter, and that's how it's most active, uh, Thomas okay. Pun. And uh, your audience, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to reach out. I'm happy to help. Okay, great. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. All right. Thank you. Bye. Do you enjoy the show? Do you enjoy how we keep up all this content? You know, I can't, I wish I could say I did this all myself. We have amazing team members, management, tools, systems, processes, man, just a handbook alone. We've spent so many years making out all these processes and we've been helping other people with their podcasts. Actually, we're just signing on somebody else to do their podcast and we do tons of blogs. We do some videos and and others with our amazing team here at contentinvestments.com is a little mini site we put together for that you can check it out see different packages if you want to work with us and our amazing team check it out and it supports the show thank you so much thank you so much thomas i mean really like i said in the intro i get to you know get really amazing input uh i guess this one benefits for grinding out these interviews 320 shows now plus e-commerce gladiator plus some other podcasts i've done over the years so i hope you enjoyed that thomas really thank you uh for sharing and check check out what he's doing it's really amazing stuff and uh, you know he's really good at dealing with people and i i learned and like i said in the intro if you made it to this blah 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 session in today's talk right now i will share 
you know, I never said I was doing it right, but in the interview, you might have heard me talking about, you know, being maybe too direct or I used to, you know, I got called shadow on Wall Street. I was called quiet and fast, you know, and then I go into Asia and I try to manage like some sourcing e-commerce operations in Shenzhen in 2007 and eight when I, you know, after being beat up on Wall Street, yeah, I, I thought I was pretty, you know, easy going, but in, in Asia, I was scary and direct maybe it's just also i'm a foreigner you know and language and culture barriers but it was a struggle many years still is you know i have a cross-border marriage my wife you know i have to still you know i guess maybe any marriage is tricky but i don't know how to say it but i've i don't know if it's right or wrong but like i said in the interview i kind of gotten much more passive and i'm not as direct and not as aggressive i don't think i ever was really aggressive but now i really try to be so indirect and talking around topics which maybe doesn't fit this book or western management but i do think you know asia business china business is a bit different from the west and but it was true like i said in the interview like then some my assistant jojo told me i'm being too weak now because i i would never like say somebody else made a mistake i would always kind of say oh maybe i wasn't clear enough maybe maybe it wasn't uh you know, so it was always never that person's fault. So it kind of backfired on me. But reading this book, you know, rapid or radical candor. It's kind of hard to remember. Radical candor. Uh, you know, I got it off Amazon and I've uh, been reading it. It's actually the interviews. It was only a week ago, so I couldn't get through this big book in the week before the uh, the show came online. But I did get through a chunk of it, and I watched the YouTube video he talked about, and I uh, read a blog post about it. The idea is, and I'm still going to finish it, but the idea so far is not being an a-hole, but not being like so passive, aggressive, or indirect. Well, I don't know if I don't know if I really fat felt did that. I was, but they said to basically give guidance and feedback to your team so that they know if they're making a mistake or not and they actually they like that rather than it being indirect and it's also when you fire somebody and they didn't even know they were making mistakes and then suddenly they get fired they get angry that's really so far what i've gotten out of the book um, and there's four quadrants basically the idea is you can be an a-hole which you know some people say like big you know, successful CEOs are a-holes because they just directly say what they want. They don't care if they hurt your feelings. And they just, I've actually blogged about this on my personal blog a long time ago, but you know, that's the a-hole quadrant. Radical candor is what they say is ideal. It's being direct, but actually caring about the person, not just saying you're wrong. This is wrong. You know, not being, um, but actually you know, thinking about how the other person is going to feel with this feedback, but still giving them the feedback, not holding back on the feedback. And then the other quadrant is you're not really giving them the feedback because you don't want to hurt their feelings, but then it kind of hurts the whole company because everybody starts being not doing good and feels like you're not caring. And uh, that's that's the other other quadrants. I hope I'm right. Of course, read the book yourself. Um, and then there was, there was the other one, which is... Um, kind of like passive aggressive where you fake act like you care but you don't really care and you're just kind of manipulating people so i think those are the four different quadrants and they say it's very common for the one maybe i you maybe maybe thomas's meeting i was doing in the in the china offices you're not really being direct to them you're, you're you're kind of trying to be nice to them so you don't give them this feedback 
because uh, you don't want to hurt their feelings. Um, I think that's what he's maybe saying and how it fits in this book. Maybe that's true. In Asia, I don't know, maybe it doesn't matter where in the world. Even in the book, they're saying this works in China. They talked about it in some uh, tech company in Beijing that had used this and some executive used this really successfully. Um, but I do agree. Like when you tell somebody they're doing something wrong, but you care about the person and you balance caring and being um, a good manager, but also giving good feedback is what I've learned from this book and uh, still not done with it. And they even say, look, I tape it on a wall. I mean, they do talk a lot about this being uh, in-person office, though. That's one thing. So far, the book seems like everybody's in the same office and it's like meetings and, you know, water cooler talk. So we're all online. So it is a little bit different. Well, yeah, I think it's true. You got to give feedback to your team. You can't, you know, hold back on the feedback to hurt, not hurt their feelings or not to make you feel like you're bad. You have to, if you care about someone, actually, I just finished teaching my kids, you know, I'm still teaching my kids uh, in the afternoons. And if you just don't give them feedback about how to improve, they're not going to improve, right? How can somebody improve if they don't know where to improve or that they're not doing well? So, that's basically what I got, and this is a blah, blah, blah session, so I, I don't know. I hope you helped, and uh, Thomas, thank you again for sharing. Definitely check out the show notes. We have a, you know his photo and some other links at globalfromasia.com slash people-management, because it's all about people, right? Thanks again for listening, and I hope this helps you with your perspective of dealing with people, because whether you're an Amazon seller or whether you're, you know, running a startup or whether you're you know traditional business you're dealing with people i mean i even if it's freelancers like you know even if it's uh not in what you would think are uh you know dealing with people you're dealing with people all the time i mean even i don't i kind of like talking to this microphone i i maybe don't like to deal with people so much honestly but we do no matter what and the better you are at it the better your business will be Thank you again, and uh, see you next week. we got some great interviews lined up already. Thank you. To get more info about running an international business, please visit our website at www.globalfromasia.com. That's www.globalfromasia.com. Also, be sure to subscribe to our iTunes feed. Thanks for tuning in.